Hello, everyone. Welcome to Peace of Authenticity Podcast. I'm Aubrey. And I'm Jordan. And we are the Andersons. In 2020, the Lord really challenged us on starting our own podcast. And so we invite you to join us on the journey of following Jesus every day. So let's grow together and learn together. What's up? Welcome back. Hey, we're back, back, back. Back again. What's that off of? What song is that? This is Shady's Back. Oh. Guess who's Slim back? Shady. Back, back, back again. Yeah. Well, we're yeah. back. Eminem. For everybody else, that's Eminem, Marshall Mathers. Um, but anyway, that has nothing to do with the pod. Uh, oh, you, why are you covering your face? You, you know started his name? it. I thought it was actually. Hmm, I don't know what I thought. It's Eminem. It's fine. Yeah. But anyway, Doesn't sorry. Matter. Uh,. So we've been crazy busy here lately, doing a lot of different things. Exciting stuff. A lot of exciting stuff. stuff. Yeah, busy. Um, But we want to finish this week with our last episode of The Tabernacle. This is Tabernacle Part 3, right? Yep. So if this is your first episode joining us today, I just wanted to give a quick kind of recap of what we've talked about so far. You can go back and watch the last two episodes to get more in detail, but just for the sake of building up to where we are today, we started out in the outer court. Mm-hmm. Uh, we painted, we tried to paint this picture of somebody walking up to the tabernacle, the Moses tabernacle of the Old Testament, the one that God gave Moses specific designs and specific measurements to build, but it also had to be transportable, right? Mm-hmm. It had to be movable because the children of Israel were constantly moving in the desert for 40 years before they entered into the promised land. So it had to be mobile. But you would walk up to the tabernacle, you would see the outer fence, which was white, which was bright white. So it would make you realize, man, that's what I'm supposed to be, but I'm not because I'm full of sin. Pure Pure white. And that's what God wants us to be. And so that's why everybody was having to bring their sacrifices to the temple and once a year on Yom Kippur, I believe, the high priest would go into the portion that that we're about to talk about. Yeah, we're about to talk about today. But it was a whole process. You would start out by coming in the front gate of the outer court, which is connected to the pure white around it. You'd walk through the the curtains. There was only one entrance in and out. Jesus yeah, it symbolizes everything. So go back and check out those other episodes if you want to hear more of that. But your first stop is where the priest would collect your sacrifice. It was the bronze altar where the the sacrifices would be brought in and they would be taken right there on the spot. And then um, you would go to the next spot, which was the laver, laver. 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 We don't know. We don't know. I keep mispronouncing that every time, but basically what it is. Yeah, it's probably not. It looks like Lavar, and I always think about Lavar Ball. That you know. Anyway, but anyway, so so it's the place that's solid gold where you would go. The priest would go, or uh, you know, they would go and wash their hands after making the sacrifices at the bronze altar. You'd wash your hands before coming into the holy place. Now. Last episode, we talked about the holy place. We talked about the table of showbread, which represented a whole mm-hmm. lot of cool things. So go back and check Part that out. Two. 
Yeah, part two, the golden lamp stand, which symbolized another set of really another cool set things. of really cool things. Go check that out too. <laughs> and then there was the golden altar of incense, my personal favorite, which is powerful. And that's kind of where we're going to start today because the the golden altar of incense is the last stop before you find yourself yet again at another set of curtains which is going to open up into the most holy place, Mm -hmm. which is actually where uh, they kept the Ark of the Covenant. And if you know anything about Old Testament stuff, the Ark of the Covenant was severely important to the children of Israel. Uh, I mean, when they go march into the Promised Land, the Lord tells them to take the Ark first Mm -hmm. and to walk into... Uh, the, the priest had to hold the river. It, yeah, uh, they had to hold it up in, into the river, and then as soon as their feet touched the water, the Bible says that the river began to recede back, mm-hmm. so that all of Israel could cross and eventually go take out Jericho. But anyway, we're talking about the tabernacle, and we are right there at the garden, the garden, the oh altar of incense, because we are heading in and talking today about the most holy place. Yeah, so if, like he said, the altar, the golden altar of incense is, is like right beside the veil that's separating the holy place from the holiest, the holy of holies. And the veil, if you remember, uh, was always there. I mean, obviously the presence of God was on the other side and only one time a year the high priest would be allowed to go in there. And it's amazing because if you remember when Jesus died the veil tore from the top to the bottom okay so we'll go a little bit into what the veil actually signifies um it signifies the heart of man okay so the heart of man is what always separated us from god because our hearts were turned our hearts were darkened after what was sin and things like that just Mm -hmm. i mean the first thing you hit like he was talking about the white fencing i mean it's all things that are kind of keeping us away from God, you know, and things not because he wants that it's because of what has happened, the mistakes that we've made. And so it's the heart of man that separates us from the presence of God. But whenever Jesus died for our sins, it ripped from the top to the bottom. And even whenever we have sinned, Jesus is the sacrificial lamb. You know, we've talked about in part one and part two, how amazing that was, but it's just a beautiful picture of how Mm -hmm. it used to be the separation. And now, you know, we're able to, just be in the presence of the Lord. And, um, but you know, when Aubrey and I were talking about this, I felt like whenever we were talking about it, signifying the heart of man, I feel like there's so many of us that might still keep something there because we feel like we're not good enough still to be in the presence of the Lord. Or there's, Oh, I just need to be at a better place in my life to be there with the Lord. And we kind of make our own wall or our own veil and I just challenge you to not look at yourself because that's ultimately what it is. I mean, I do it again and again and again. I'm definitely the veil putter upper in the heart situation, but that's just looking in yourself. But when you look in yourself, I mean, we're humans. We're, you know, we're going to make mistakes. But when you look at God and look at what Jesus has done, that will get you to the place where you're no longer putting walls between you and the Lord. You're realizing because of what Jesus did, you're able to fully fellowship with 
the Lord and be able to like what, you know, Adam and Eve got to do walk in the garden with him and just be there with him and commune with him and how important that that is. Mm-hmm. And I just thought that was a beautiful picture. Yeah. Yeah, no, it is. The the one thing that really stuck out to me as, as we were recognizing this position that we're in is there's, okay, so there's a, there's a veil. There's like basically a curtain that separates the outer courts from the tents where everybody was camping at. Then there's another set of curtains that separates the outer court from the inner court, from the the holy place. Then this is the last and final veil that is there that separates that holy place from the most holy place. Mm -hmm. What was crazy is you're talking about a heavy-duty curtain, but it symbolized way more than that because we understand now that we you know because we have the bible we understand that when if a priest went in and that priest had not sanctified himself before god and went through all of Mm -hmm. these steps it meant instant death yeah like immediately you walk in from the altar of incense and you step beyond that curtain into the most holy place and if you weren't where you weren't sanctified and and to the point of everything is is right between you and the Lord. You are dead. And I think there are, there are a couple of stories in the in the Old Testament where somebody oh, yeah. where priests walked in or if someone touched the ark of the covenant. Yeah, or if some yeah, somebody touched the ark of the covenant and they were unclean, then they died on mm-hmm. on the spot. Even one of the stories I remember was a guy was diving to make it keep from hitting the ground like he sacrificed himself yeah. and as soon as he touched it he died killed him it killed him now we we obviously like like jordan was saying a second ago we have christ that came lived the perfect life he died and so so he covers us that veil was torn like what she was talking about a second ago but the reality is that the bible still tells us on the on the new covenant on the new testament side of things that the wages of sin is death. Mm-hmm. And so just even though it's not an instantaneous death, like what these high priests would go through if they walked in unclean, that that thing of death still lingers there. Even, you know, I, I thought that those two connections were so powerful because, you know, we think, oh, it's just a little thing. A little thing in the midst of this situation would have killed a high priest. He oh, would yeah. have walked in, his family would have never seen him again. And it's like done. And, you know, I still think that there's that still that sin connection there. Um, but, you know, for us, for them, it was physical. He mm-hmm. could walk in and be dead. But for us, it's spiritual, mm-hmm. right? The, the wages of sin is spiritual death. It's being cut away from the Lord. It's being, you know, um, sin kind of separates us from God. And so that that kind of that kind of back and forth really was powerful for me to look at and then even kind of what we talked about in part two the dying to yourself and dying to your will so it's kind Mm -hmm. of a play on what you said but in the way that jesus calls us to carry our cross daily yeah you know to be able to just die (laughs) to what we want and just be able to say lord i care more about you and I care more about what you want than what I do. Yeah. And being in that place. And I love this too. It says spiritually our praise creates a holy place where God can dwell among us. Mm. 
I thought that was beautiful because that yet again is connected to that golden altar of incense as well going into yeah yeah I think uh what was it um where was it that we were talking about that uh oh so if if the veil or if the holy place is symbolic of of man's heart right and Mm -hmm. and the veil is torn because of what Christ did then that that means that we have the ability to go into the most holy place you know and I think that it's powerful because we oftentimes look at each other and and we look at other people's spiritual walks right and the thing that's cool about the holy place is this is where god dwells but also if it's symbolic of man's heart then this is the only place where god sees so we were talking about it a second ago we were talking about you know man looks to the outward expression as the bible tells us but god sees the heart Mm -hmm. which means if you can finally get yourself to the place where you are reaching that holy place it's a place where only only god knows your true intentions he only knows you in that place in your darkest parts the the darkest corners of your heart it's it's where you go and you can Mm. stand before him and just your will not mine yeah it's Man, I, there's definitely in my mind always a hang up, but I'm not where I need to be. You know, mm-hmm. I, I just keep coming to that and it's so just not us, it's him. So like I said earlier, just turning that perspective. And here's another beautiful, of course, picture because the Lord, like we said, is very intentional about the way he wanted this whole thing built is once you go through the veil, you are officially in the Holy of Holies and you see in front of you the Ark of the Covenant, which is pure gold. Mm. You have the top of it, which is the mercy seat. We'll go into that a little later. And then the beautiful angels on it. But whenever, if you moved the lid of the Ark of the Covenant, the three things in there we're going to go over because it's just so interesting. Yeah. I love it so much. Um, do you want me to just go right into it? Yeah. Okay. Um, so one of the first things that is in there is the manna. So... You know, the Lord said to save some of that manna, put it in a jar, and it was in the Ark of the Covenant. And it never went bad. Because usually, if you remember in Exodus, whenever the manna, it would not, the manna from yesterday wouldn't be good anymore the next day. It would rot. The Lord would bring new manna to them. If you tried to save the manna and store it up in your tent, it would just get maggots and really gross. So you would just trust that the Lord would give you the provisions the next day. Well, the manna that was in the Ark of the Covenant never went bad i mean i bet it wasn't even stale i bet it was real good but it just symbolically represents the provision of the lord and it's it also represents this might like ring a bell the bread of life who is jesus christ Mm -hmm. and it never goes bad it stays good forever jesus is the bread of life if you are hungry you know like what he said in the conversation with his disciples in the last supper but it's just a beautiful picture to the Lord. He provides. And in every one of these three things, items that are in the Ark of the Covenant actually signifies um, how man, uh, well, how would you, how would you word that? How, how man doesn't amount to well, or failure even? I think that all three of these items in the Ark symbolically represent man's uh i I wrote man's ability to do absolutely nothing right or even to go a step further and say mankind's rejection of god's provision in in the case of manna and we have to have 
the Lord. Yeah. Like that, th- yes, those three items show that we cannot fully do anything right without yeah. the Lord and well, provision. And, and I, yeah, that's, that's why I think it's ironic that a lot of us get caught in the trap of, I'm just not good enough or I'm not where I need to be. God can't use me and, and all these things. But yet literally the Ark of the Covenant, which was the <laughs> most precious thing to the entire nation of Israel, was filled with three items that represented their failure and their inability to do anything right. Actually, it represented not only just their failure, but their rejection of the one who created them. The article that we read literally said that, like, and it blew my mind because it was literally going, not that they just failed because all of us fail, but you need to take it a step further. It's actual rejection Mm -hmm. because the same manna that God was getting, was having come down from heaven every day. It would just show up out of nowhere. They didn't have to work for it. They Mm -hmm. didn't have to do anything for it. He just said, don't try to save it for the next day. They were even belly aching about that. Oh, the stinking manna from oh, heaven. Oh, this again. manna, blah blah blah. Like, can't can't we have some meat? But you know, and just mm-hmm. everything. But it it actually kind of makes me think about our lives, and about how uh, we as humans like to naturally change things up every once in a while. We like to. Oh man, if everything stays the same, if we're not seeing growth, or you know, even in the church world, like if our church isn't growing, then it's stagnant, you know, and it, so the manna that God is giving us every day eventually doesn't even become enough mm-hmm. because we're too busy focused on what God's not doing instead of what he is yeah. providing for and us. And we don't, yeah, we don't see the most amazing, miraculous provision right in front of our faces. Mm. It just showed <sighs> up out of nowhere. How can you? It's fine. I, yeah. I'm sure if I was an Israelite, I would have complained about it too. I guess. Oh yeah. <laughs> it, I mean, it's kind of like sometimes Jordan like makes me eat beans a lot. We love beans and, here. No, she loves beans here, and, <laughs> and so I love beans. So she'll literally go, "Oh, and I thought we could do beans and yeah. and right something like that." And I'm just literally going beans again. That's but right. I mean, it just shows like our flawed nature of like of how making beans. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's just like about how like if we have like the same thing too many times, we become yeah like life isn't good enough anymore. Mm-hmm. You yes. know, and uh, it could be the same Almost way. Almost entitled ish. Yeah, like how they were with just yeah. their constant provision every day. Yeah, um, and you know, and so I think that it's it's crazy just looking at the manna first because it, it, it the the manna literally represents Jesus, right? Because mm-hmm. Jesus says, "I'm the bread of life." Um, you know. I think that the manna was the very first thing that was rejected. Just like most of the time, we rely so heavily on grace that we act how we want to act. And then we expect Jesus to to Mm -hmm. cover us all the time. And so then as we continue to move in the realm of sin and as we continue to be selfish and be against everything that Jesus talks about in the Sermon on the Mount... We are literally rejecting him just like the Israelites yes. were rejecting the manna oh, every day. And it's <clears throat> so convicting. It's, wow. Maybe we should just stop. I'm just kidding. Yeah. I was like, wait, for real? Okay. <laughs> I couldn't um, keep a straight face. Long. Yeah. 
No, okay, so yeah, the next thing it, that was in the Ark of the Covenant, we have the manna that never went bad. It was in there. It was in a golden jar. Mm-hmm. Everything that has to do with the Ark is, is golden. It's awesome. I bet it was really pretty. Mm-hmm. I bet it was a sight to look at, oh, too. I'm sure. Um, we're going to put a picture of it probably oh, on yeah, here somewhere. Yeah. So um, the next thing that was in there was Aaron's mm-hmm. staff that budded, right? Like, So there was there was a rebellion in there. And um, God chose Aaron's staff to grow buds, right? And also it said something about almonds yeah, coming off of it. Yeah, it was um, because the almond tree buds blossoms and also the almonds. Yeah, and so this was God's way of saying that he chose Aaron and his descendants mm-hmm. to be the priests of his temple. Mm-hmm. But also it was, it was also symbolic of man's rejection of God's leadership. Mm-hmm. And because God was saying, I want Moses to do this and I want Aaron to do this and people were not cool with it. And, um, but what's cool is literally God used a staff that was dead wood mm-hmm. to come back to life, which therein is symbolic of what Jesus did yeah. on the cross of his death, burial and resurrection. And one of the cool things that I read on here about the the almond mm-hmm. branch right or like the almond tree mm-hmm. is it's the first one to bloom after the winter season like early early yeah like Israel. after the dead season mm-hmm. it's the, it's the first one to awaken to awaken and so literally that. god is symbolic all over the place oh with this stuff oh my gosh I, ju- I just love it too because it's a perfect picture of how we were dead and then now we're alive yeah. in christ yeah too and i mean you should look into what the almond tree and the almond branch means biblically like it's mm. just such an amazing study i did it you should do it it was just so cool because it's connected to aaron's rod and even they talk about it in jeremiah it's amazing yeah so it basically the the last thing one of the main points that i wrote here in my notes is god's authority makes dead things come alive yes and that can be symbolic for any part of your life. It's not just, yeah, it's it's symbolic of Christ, but because of what Jesus did, because mm-hmm. of his death, burial, and resurrection, it makes everything that we believe true. And so um, to, to die to ourselves and to become alive in Christ, all of these imagery things that Paul uses that have us dying or us decreasing so that he can increase it's all coming back from this and and what's amazing is this right here is happening in the old testament in the Mm -hmm. book of exodus yeah all this stuff so god is literally painting us a picture i'm glad that we live in the age that we live in today and not have to be one of the the faith people that are pioneering this thing out because now we get to look back on it and we can see from Genesis all the way to Revelation how God had a plan before the mm-hmm. Gospels. Everything that we read in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it all stems back to this right yes, here. And yes. God was busy trying to tell people, hey, this is what I'm going to do in the future. And it was so obvious and it was so right there that. Even when Jesus showed up on the earth, people missed it. Yeah. 
That oh my gosh, it's just because every single part of this, obviously, if you haven't learned already, is very connected to Jesus in yeah. general. <laughs> I mean, even the next, the third thing that was in the Ark of the Covenant was the Ten Commandments tablets, mm. and of course, if you remember correctly, this is the second set of Ten Commandments because the first one Moses might have thrown out of anger, but that signifies something. You say might have, he did. I know. I was just trying to be a little. He threw it on the ground. He sure did throw it on the ground. Yeah. So that one actually, the the uh, one of the articles I was reading that the guy said that that was rejection of God's law, and if, like yeah, literally if you the story that uh-huh. yeah, literally Moses is up there getting the commandments from the Lord, and the people are down the hill building an idol. Mm-hmm. Which the very first commandment is put no other gods before me, right? Don't don't worship idols. Don't do all this stuff. So literally they rejected this right right off the jump. Oh my gosh. He wasn't even down from the mountain all the way. Yeah, so he came down and threw those on the golden calf, as the Bible tells us, and then he had to go back up and get new ones. He's like, gosh dang it. No, yeah, like go, go get new ones. <laughs> but it is such a beautiful picture because the yeah. first one is the broken law, right? Us as human beings, we break, we have broken the law yeah. that God has laid out for us again and again and again and again and again. I mean, the people did it while the law was being made. I mean, it just happened. But then the second law was not broken. It was laying in the Ark of the Covenant because that represents Jesus, the mm. one that had come to fulfill the law. And he is the one that has never broken the law. And he has covered us with his blood yeah. and his pure oh my goodness it's just such a beautiful picture i just i just love it because if you look at the irony of the bible you understand that it was the descendants of aaron that were the priest that would eventually turn into the pharisees and they were the ones that were charged with keeping these items and sanctifying themselves before the lord Jesus literally comes and he makes himself the fulfillment of all three of these items. The And the people, the very people that were charged with keeping it were the ones who were missing it mm-hmm. the most. Mm-hmm. And I'm literally sitting here going, man, if anybody should have known. Now, granted, Jesus is like, okay, I'm, I'm the bread of life. There's the manna right there. And he goes, I'm going to die. And then I'm going to be resurrected just like Aaron's. But I mean, these are all things that he was saying. So for those highly educated people, they're probably like, okay, here's another crackpot. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? But Jesus fulfilled all of these things. And I think it's awesome because, um, you think about, uh, while Moses was receiving those things, they were busy go- building the golden calf. So God already knew all this stuff was going to happen. God yeah. knows everything before it things. even happens. And and it's beautiful because um, God gave us the law, not for us to fully walk it out, but for us to know how badly we need salvation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it, everything in this golden chest that was beautiful um, carried three little things. They, they built this incredible majestic case for three things that people outside of Israel would go. You would think it'd be full of treasure, right? They, but might, it was get full- the, they might get the, the Ten Commandments. You know what I mean? Just because it's the law. Okay. Yeah, it but might. Like but the, Yeah, but the, the, the jar of manna. Yeah, and then a, a budded <laughs> staff. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, don't get me wrong. That would be cool. 
But I would be sitting there thinking that, man, this big golden thing is probably full of treasure. But it Pirate's was, gold. but it was literally full of failure. Yeah, <laughs> this is this is the perfect thing right here. The ark contained evidence of man's failure to live holy before God. Yeah. Furthermore, the ark points to Jesus, who can live holy before God, and was the savior of the world and has covered us. Mm. Yeah. Oh, speaking of the covering, the mercy yeah. Seat. Well, okay. So, so the ark, man's testimony of failure. I, I love that the there's this article that we read that literally kept calling it the ark. We, we always say, we always refer to it as the Ark of the Covenant. That's what the Bible calls it. But um, in, in this article, I was literally reading and the guy kept calling it the Ark of the Testimony. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I always think about, think about for the second, the most powerful testimonies that you've ever heard you know, from an individual. What, maybe you were at a revival or maybe just a one-on-one conversation. They were failures. It's it's literally <laughs> built upon the premise of I was wayward, I was lost, I was helpless, flawed, in rebellion. Mm-hmm. Insert whatever word mm-hmm. you want to here. But then Jesus came, mm-hmm. right? So you're sitting here thinking this is a valued asset among Israel and it's full of failure. And... I think about Revelation where John says that we literally overcome the enemy Mm -hmm. by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And we're covered by the blood of the Lamb, which is what we're going to go into with the mercy seat. And then the word of our testimony, Mm -hmm. the three items that were in this, or for you and I, whatever muck and mire that God pulled you out of to give you a testimony, it, it literally goes from, mm-hmm. I was here, then I found Jesus, and now I'm working my way here. Not that any one of us are perfect, mm-hmm. but a lot of times we try to make it, we try to uh, amplify our success. We try to put all of our good stuff out here in front of people. So then, because we think, well, if I can show them all this good stuff, it's more of a reflection of Christ. And, you know, I, I mean, I've even said that before in the past. I've been like, man, who could look at my life at times and be like, oh man, I want to be more like that guy. His his life looks really good. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and I've literally said this, like, why would anybody want to, you know, serve Jesus because it doesn't look like it's doing very good in my life. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But we, we always try to push all these things and it kind of feels like the wizard of Oz. Like we want, we want everybody to see the great and powerful Oz, but nobody wants to see the short dude behind the curtain that's pulling all the strings. But from the beginning, from God rescuing his people out of Egypt, he said, when you make the Ark of the Covenant, I want you to fill it with your failure. Mm -hmm. Let your failure and your need for me Mm -hmm. be the banner in which you live your life. Wow. Mm -hmm. I, I sit there and think about how often in my life I have used my successes to be the arc of the testimony when God wants it to be your failure because it's your failure that brought you to the mercy seat. It's your failure that brought you to the feet of Jesus and it's the things that you messed up that made you realize your need for Christ. And I was listening to this guy one time and he was preaching and he was sharing this story and he said, you know, 
a lot of people say the comment, if I could go back and I could do it all over again, I would do so many things different. And this guy was literally preaching and he said, I'm here to tell you today that even if I could go back, I wouldn't do anything different. Because if it wouldn't have been for A, B, and C, I would have never realized my full dependency on Christ and I would not change that for the world. Mm-hmm. And I was wrecked by that. You know how many times I've thought about if I could go back and change this, mm-hmm. I would. Oh, yeah. But then at the same time, I'm thankful for the point in which Christ met me so I could realize that this life isn't about me, it's about Him. And so I wouldn't want to go back and mm-hmm. change anything because I found something real. Mm-hmm. I pray that I decrease so that He can increase because when I am weak, mm. He is strong. Mm. I don't think that's exactly how, but you know what I mean. I just put two and two yeah. together but that that is what it is but us as humans like you said we always are fixated on the look at the amazing things even though most of it is just hollowed out whitewashed tombs kind mm. of situation but the outside looks really nice that old pharisee mindset <laughs> yeah but you know like my i'm just gonna talk about my favorite part which is the mercy seat or the judgment seat because the ark of the covenant and the mercy seat slash judgment seat same thing they are the throne of the God of Israel, who is the king of Israel. So Israel, for the longest time, was such a unique like nation because their king was God. Mm. And so this was his throne. And a king always had a throne, and he judged from it. People would come, listen to my problems, and the king would judge what needed to be done, what, what needed to be said, right? So... This judgment seat turned into a mercy seat because of what Jesus had done. And there's so many connections to the mercy seat in Jesus. Even the two angels, we'll show you a picture of the two angels that are turned towards each other. One on each end of the mercy seat signifies the two angels that kept guard over Jesus. One was at his head, one was at his feet. Mm. And I just love this picture so much because it covers our failures it covers our rejection of god even you know our fear rejection period all of these things that make us oh so human Hmm. it is covered by the mercy seat of jesus it is covered by the blood of the lamb and it is beautiful and it's all one beautiful piece and one beautiful story and one beautiful testimony Mm -hmm. that you can sit and look at of course this was israel's testimony but we have one too yeah. with what Jesus has done for us. And it's just all together the most, oh my gosh, beautiful yeah. thing. Yeah. So the, the the one thing that I distinctly remember, so the, the mercy seat, we keep saying seat, but really it's the lid of the Ark of the Covenant. Well, I mean, if you see the picture, you, you'll know. Mm-hmm. Um, but so when that priest would come in once a year on Yom Kippur, mm-hmm. on the Day of Atonement, mm-hmm. he would sprinkle blood mm-hmm. on right. the mercy seat on the lid of the Ark of the Covenant. And that would be a symbolic thing of the sacrifice that atones, the blood that atones for the sins of the people. Mm -hmm. Well, look at what Jesus did, right? And Jesus comes in as the mercy seat, right? And his blood is spilled for us, which then atones for all of us. Mm-hmm. And so you kind of see the connection there, like how it went from God 
is it's a judgment seat. Yeah. You literally have to sacrifice and blood has to be put on there to atone for your sin. So then Jesus comes and atones for us. And so now that's why the Bible says that when God looks at us, he sees us through the lens of Christ because Jesus put himself as a middle person mm-hmm. between us. And so then when when we repent and we we give our hearts to Jesus, we give our hearts to the Lord, that same blood that was used to atone, now Jesus' blood covers us and there is no judgment after that. It's mm-hmm. atoning. You're mm-hmm. you're atoning for that. And so I just love how every piece of this thing mm-hmm. that it's it's quite a crazy process to walk up from your tent into the tabernacle and go through this process and to be the high priest to go through all these processes and get into the holy of holies where the ark is and i think it's crazy because it's not crazy i think it's really cool because now the bible says that we are his priesthood mm-hmm. so therefore you don't have to be a high priest to go into the Holy of Holies. Mm-hmm. We are all priests, so we now can come boldly to the throne of grace, to the mercy mm-hmm. seat, because Jesus laid yeah. it all out there for us. And, and to like bring it all together, the words of Jesus, I am the way, mm. that is the entrance into the outer court. I am the truth, that is the entrance into the holy place. And I am the life, that is entrance to the Holy of Holies. Mm. You cannot come to the Father except through me. Every single entrance through the tabernacle, the way, the truth, the life. It's Jesus. Wow. I mean, he literally gave them a map of the Old Testament <laughs> tabernacle. And, you know, if you've listened to our podcast before, these people know everything about the yeah. Word of God. They know their Bible. They know their Torah. And Jesus told them right then, like, look at the Old Testament tabernacle look at the tabernacle you talk about in the torah the books of moses that is me i am the bread of life he gave us so many clues Mm -hmm. (laughs) but i mean it is jesus if your eyes are not on jesus if you're not looking to jesus you're looking in the wrong places if jesus isn't enough for you reassess your life i'm saying that to myself there are so many times i chase other things Mm -hmm. jesus is the way the truth and the life Mm. Mm. Well, there it is. Whoop, there it is. Part three of the tabernacle. Oh, We man. took you from the first step in all the way in. And that's the same journey that you and I must go through in our spiritual walk with Christ. I hope that these last three episodes have really opened your eyes to getting into the most holy place with mm-hmm. the Lord. Because that is where he wants to dwell yeah with us every day Mm -hmm. and so i i hope that you're able to at you've been following along the journey with us and slowly letting pieces of everything just fall off of you but i hope that the thing that we all carry around today is that the the ark of the covenant the our our covenant with god is never about our success It's never about what we're doing right. Mm -hmm. It's about us recognizing through our failures, through our flawed behaviors, that we are in desperate need of communion, of salvation from Him every single day. And that's 
that's what I'm walking away with anyway. Is mm-hmm. Stop trying to show people your success. Embrace your failures because it's your failures that led you to the feet of Jesus in the first place. Mm-hmm. But there it is. Mm-hmm. There it is, y'all. Hope you enjoyed it. We loved it. Mm. It was amazing. To yeah. Over, we're done. We're done. But anyway. Forever. I'm just kidding. No yeah. No, we're done with the tabernacle <laughs> for now. But next time, we'll see. We, we don't know what we're going to talk about next time, but we hope that you join us. Yes. Um, but reach out to us if you need anything, if you want prayer for anything or anything mm-hmm. like that. But uh, we love you guys, and we'll see you next time. We'll see you then. All right. Bye.